Hello, Interbang and Stephanie. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Interbang. How are you doing? How I'm are doing, you doing? I'm doing yeah. pretty good. I had a nice uh, cat nap prior to this, as well mm-hmm. as some um, delicious enchiladas with uh, Spanish rice. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. That's lovely. Great. I was reading a book. Haven't done it in a while, so it's nice. Nice to be able to like voraciously devour through like a hundred pages. Ooh, that is nice. <laughs> and is yeah. it like it's like a physical book? Is it like a book you read before? Or? Oh no, I um I have quite a few books that I have not yet read before, and I just haven't gotten around to reading. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm finally making use of my quasi library, uh, and yeah, just tearing through the pages in you know good respectfully not physically tearing mm-hmm. through all the pages but yeah you, it's good how do you, how do you read so you just tear through pages devour them you know it's it's very vicious how i consume yes. material well anyway, yeah, we've talked about books that like mean have special meaning to us or just what they've served for us in our lives in a previous episode and one for me i think i i, I thought of when um thinking of this episode was um harper lee's to kill a mockingbird ah yes so i mean yeah most schools in america i think it's probably still it is like on the required reading list um it was for me at least but i ended up actually reading it on my own i think prior to the requirement and like again after just because i liked it and oh um, i did too but mostly to preempt the required part yeah and he and he mentioned that it was one of your tactics of like really being able to like enjoy the books for Mm -hmm. required by school but um yeah and i also really really like the movie with the gregory peck i haven't seen that one yeah um in the soundtrack really yeah really nice for for me at least so i watched as a kid i also had like the same kind of general look and haircut as scout in the movie (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah so um can imagine yeah um but uh I think one of the, and I might not be getting this quote exactly right because it's just from memory, um, but it said towards the end of the book and it said it also in the movie, um, which I think did a good job of really staying true to the book. Um, but it's the father character, Atticus Finch, and you know, in a in a less in a moment of teaching a lesson to his daughter, young daughter Scout, who's like I don't know, ten years old or nine or something, um, about empathy and. Um, and I think the quote is something along of like you, it really takes you to like, did you like step into a person's shoes or like step into their, crawl into their skin and like walk around. Like and, a mile in their shoes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, to really understand what they're going through. And um, I'm sure that phrase has been said in other places, but that's at least for me, my first like real like aha moment with that kind of sentiment. And I think I had another to add up to like add on to that at least. One of my favorite pieces of art is um, it's a painting by Van Gogh in the late 1800s. It's called Shoe. He did a series of shoe paintings. Did um, he? Yeah, and they're um, it's like very it's like hyper realism paintings okay. of like the idea that he would kind of go you know, walk around the streets and see like old cobblers or working class citizens, yeah. and they would okay. have those really beaten up boots or shoes sure maybe holes in the, in the toes and so we would paint these and it would just be like a it's like a neutral background I highly recommend and terribly stuff you look them up because you can just search like van gogh shoes there's a couple of different these paintings sure and it just it's just the shoes and like a neutral background and that's it and um the just kind of general light source and it just really shows like the age and the wear of these shoes mm-hmm. and for me it just really emotes that feeling of like that's like someone. You gotta life. imagine. You gotta imagine like who has walked in them or used them or you know what's what their life know. must be like. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I just kind of wanted to like bring that in, I guess, for today's episode of like shoes. I mean, there's also like shoes, which has a more modern. Shows. Um, I oh, don't. Dear. Like, that well, must be like a decade old, right? That what is over, a viral video, right? Over. It was one of the first viral videos of YouTube titled oh, "Shoes" from like late 2006, I believe. Um, and refresh my memory: what that video 
featured because I it's it's quite faint. Yeah, I actually just revisited it to like make sure I could be somewhat accurate for whenever we were talking about this episode. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So it was. Um, I think the channel name it still is active. He still is posting videos. I think it's Liam Kyle Sullivan or Kyle Liam Sullivan. Um, but the video uh, that we we're talking about is called Shoes, and it's really kind of encapsulates that early YouTube internet humor of kind of like um, chaos and randomness. <laughs> yeah, chaos, absurdism, very absurdist humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, it starts off kind of making some sense, and then just kind of by the end Devolves. of the video, it really kind of becomes unhinged. But it's yeah, it just follows. I mean, I think that's still the heart of YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a classic core element of it. But yeah, it's just yeah. It basically is, um, yeah, so he's a, he's, you know, biological male, but he's like cross-dressing as a female character who kind of has sure. like a stereotypical valley girl voice and she's kind of okay. like vapid and materialistic and sure, it's just like he has this like kind of cute song called Shoes and she just, he just says it in this really valley girl voice of nasal voice like shoes, shoes. And it's like a little kind of dance song and yeah. And he's like wearing like a very, you know, cheap looking. And the quest is like to like collect more shoes or just admiring all the shoes or something like like that, right? And it's like, let's get get some shoes. I want some shoes. I hate these. I love these. And Uh, it's just very, uh, gets in your, gets in your ear. Sure. Uh, But uh, I guess, yeah. To talk about starting off with yeah thinking about empathy and how do you obtain that one way is yeah like thinking visualizing of like walking in someone's shoes but then also like shoes as humans like compared to you know it's like a tool right like footwear as it you know initially sure. as a tool to protect yeah to like get around and you get know around making sure you can function and you know perform whatever task you'd like to perform exactly and then with time with like more advanced civilization it's devolved into you know the idea of fashion like there's yeah. now fashion shoes form or over form over function sure um shoes for work or just personal i was gonna say play <laughs> i almost said pleasure but i was like yeah. wait i don't uh, which is i think still fine but my mind is sure that and that part of the street gutter um like Crocs. I mean, like I don't know if you consider that for for like work. I guess some people do. You know, if you need to walk around. Well, and- Crocs actually did a sneaky job. I own some Crocs, and they don't look like the standard Crocs that you. I've been told they like improved their they image. They have like flats like, now. They have, like, they have, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have some. Kudos like- to Crocs in whatever formulation they've done. Yeah, but I think like, they're still stuff they're still popular in like healthcare settings because it's yeah. like. You have to stand around all day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think like with the timeline of shoes and I mean, for me also the idea of like how shoes can be an expression of yourself and your appearance. So sure. know, some people given like, you know, how you want to, um, if you want to kind of show off or dress up, like some people are really big about handbags. So mm. they like buy a bunch of handbags or some people like to focus on their hair. So they invest a lot of time and money in their hair or nails. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're not mutually exclusive. You can do all of you those. Can do all of it. Yeah. And this is not also like gender exclusive. I mean, anyone, it's just how you, you can pick, um, you know, the, the status. And I think one thing I like to talk about, um, just sharing a little bit of history for shoes is like one type of shoe, um, the high heel, mm. which I think has a pretty interesting history. Um, sure. Kind of a nice global thread. Yeah. Um, and I think we shared a little bit about this. We kind of have both you and I have a little bit of his knowledge of the history. Sure. Um, so something that I think was always interesting um I think the first, my knowledge at least, I mean, the first um, indication of the existence of a high heel was for in, in the tenth in tenth century for Persian horse riders. I guess it's uh, riders because they would be archers, so they okay. so had these high heeled shoes that would fit in the stirrups of their horses, and they could like ah, so they could do it go like hands free, mm-hmm. right? So, so they can the, like those guys would face back. they would like face backwards and like shoot their bow and arrow and they were like yeah. these elite warriors and yeah i mean that type of shoe did eventually evolve in, like a cowboy boot down the road but like yeah. before then and yeah. um you know it 
it was I, functional in order to keep them yes you know on the horse and then i guess there. they were just kind of wearing them as well and i think it became more global like the first node of uh, global moment for the for the high heel was when the persians kind of came to meet like a like a diplomatic meeting with like russia and mm -hmm. germany and i think france and this would have been mm -hmm. like the 17th century just mm -hmm. to like hey neighbor we're over here doing yeah. this and particularly the europeans like the french were like ooh la la um, <laughs> <laughs> what is that on your feet those yeah. are cool also we love your rugs um can we have those too sure, those are sure. super neat so persian rugs sure. were also very popular um and then it became a real thing because the french were like this is so cool and i think it became you know a status of for men this is for men's fashion i should be mm -hmm. like, more clear about so the the men in the court nobility um at that time in kind of europe western europe trend was like to have the high-heeled shoe um and with the tight-fitting legging to like really showcase the, like the tone show off the calves show off the toned calves, calves. And yeah thigh and thigh because then they're Ooh. you know the, the <laughs> pants the pants like the yeah the britches the, are... britches would be collected really high up kind sure of like yeah look yeah yeah um the pantalooned yeah yeah and so that became a thing then. And I think it was really big in the late 1600s with King Louis XIV of France, who's famous yeah. for, he, he, he's the one who's behind. Setting Versailles. the trends. He was, he was behind Versailles, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think he, I'm correct. He ruled for like over 70 years. I don't remember how long he ruled, yeah, but I, I knew he yeah, ruled he kind like, of. He's like four years old when he was king. And then he lived <laughs> a happy, long life for that yeah. time, at least. Um, but he made it like an official kind of like law. Um, uh -huh. I think it was late 1600s. In order to like be in favor with the court, you have to like follow what he says, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it, it was that like high heels were reserved exclusively for those of nobility. And the higher the, and you couldn't have a higher heel than the king. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember how tall he was, but I think that'd be easy to know if he was short. And then they would be like, I think we would have known if he were historically quite short because you know we've heard plenty about napoleon mm -hmm. but so i think we would have heard of it if he were yeah um but so then him so it wasn't just the law but he also instated that it had to be a red heel the oh red really heel was because red so for also reasons of red to kind of symbolize like stomping on your enemies and like blood okay. and i mean and there's also i think a famous line that's now known you know the like cardi b one of her early songs of bodak yellow the line of like these is red red shoes these are bloody shoes about like citing like louis Vuitton high heels um so that was some of the significance of why it was red um and also because it would red doesn't show dirt well like if, if your shoes are dirty and they're red it shows up so hence, really like, you can't even see like the brown specks for that bold red no or scuffed oh. and if it's scuffed especially it shows okay. up and so that's why again the red heel was a big deal and i thought um, le bouton they just because i was watching some documentary thingy and the le bouton heels at least you know they've got the red underneath mm -hmm. but i that's think where, that that's where more... they came, that's where they got the idea from oh okay but louboutin is the person is, is, is the person's name oh okay gotcha yeah, yeah it's yeah i forgot his first name but that's his okay okay and he he branched off from Yves Saint Laurent, which is another famous fashion house and designer, mm, okay. and broke off and said, "I'm doing my own thing." And then they had this big, big splash of red. Well, it was a more of a of a, of a dispute because Louis Vuitton tried has tried multiple times to kind of have a patent and claim on that shade of red, and people are like, you, uh, can't, you can't do that." Um, well, hang on. That people have patented like the pinkest of pinks and you know uh, yeah. I forgot the name of it or like the blackest of black Anish Kapoor I think is the name of the guy who made the black uh, and like trademarked the black and so the guy who made the pink the pinkest of pinks like video cameras can't you do it justice um, said that it was available for license for anybody who wanted to use it except Anish Kapoor or anybody who was trying <laughs> to like secretly get it for Anish Kapoor oh, um, if Anish Kapoor is not the right person I I'm sorry Anish Kapoor 
but I think <laughs> vaguely that is the the, the person. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love like little feuds like that. I'm sure it's to them it's very serious, but yeah. Um, but so I think you can like trademark those colors. Um, but I think but... it. W- I don't think they were successful to the degree sure. they wanted okay. or something. Sure, sure, sure. But yeah. So it was back then. It was it was red, and also to get that certain shade of red again, tying back to the whole Persian connection, and also at this time the Americas were known and pretty well discovered and trade was starting with them, mm-hmm. particularly like South America. Mm-hmm. And Europe was, in order to obtain that shade of red, it involved, it's from, I think, like the West part of South America, um, maybe Colombia, but crushing up these beetles. Okay. Cochineal, C-O-C-H-I-N-E-A-L. Um, and they, when you crush them up, they produce this red dye. And okay. this red dye is like a really famous thing. It's still used today in like Starbucks drinks and like food coloring. Really? Mm-hmm. In makeup huh. products still. Um, okay. And it's like involves Lovely. Use... Crushed bugs on your face. Yeah. Um, but anyways, and then I think continuing on. Yeah, so that was like Louis the Fourteenth, And then I f- think when it started, women started to like hop on that bandwagon soon after. I, I, I love the part um, that before this, right, you know, while men were going around in you know their high heels women were at least the women i'm not sure if men did it too but the the women were um going around in their chopins is that right am i pronouncing it correctly chopins Mm -hmm. um like the composer with es at the end Mm -hmm. uh which the shoes look absolutely crazy and precarious because i guess at the time prior to the 17th century uh, people were walking on the balls of their feet um because i guess that's where it was thought that uh, like that's where your center of balance and, and just walking gait was. Mm-hmm. Um, well, also with women, all they had to wear, it might've been easy to fall. Yeah, and, and the gowns. Back. Yeah, to fall backwards might've been a risk. Yeah, so I guess you don't want to like trip too much. Mm-hmm. So maybe it would behoove you to uh, walk, you know, kind of on the tippy bits of your toes instead of like relying on your heels. Well, in ballet, so- it's like an aesthetic look to look like you're floating more. If you're walking, who's looking if your dresses are so long, who's going to be looking to see if you're walking like the whirling dervish dancers? Like they have those long, they don't, but they don't go on their like tippy toes, they walk flat. I'm pretty sure it's more in the ball of their feet. Oh, okay, yeah, they have one foot more bent upwards than the other one is, but they have like the long floor length skirts, but that's how they have that floating effect. Or there's also like Russian female dancers, they have the full floor, full floor length skirt where you can't see their feet. Yeah, but they uh, they look like they're floating because they're doing this kind of like shuffling. Because the um, movement is just so smoothly transitioned from or one like to Japan, like Japanese geisha and their full length kimono do the same yeah. thing. They do this kind of like okay. shuffling on the balls of their feet and kind of these like socks slippers. The shoes look insane though. I so there's this museum in Toronto called the Bata Museum. Um, Can you spell that? b-a-t-a mr and mrs bata like were enthusiasts about shoes Mm -hmm. and they've collected so many and i was lucky enough to go see um their you know some whatever was on collection display at the time and those shoes look scary i say scary like i don't know how people balance on those because i mean i'm very uncoordinated so (laughs) i can't balance on many things to save my life um but those yeah so they're very like um very much like platformed heavy on the front bit of your feet and then mm-hmm. like absolutely no heel that like touched the ground no- nothing no structure to help that so oh, like, you really had to oh, like what lady gaga wears sometimes exactly and so what lady mm-hmm. gaga like i think it was very much inspired yes by like the french style of the day um, and then i guess eventually some person wised up some cobbler or so <laughs> Um, why is up to the fact like oh you know what maybe we should put heels on these things just to add a little bit of extra security mm-hmm. even if they are stiletto style which is not very secure in my opinion an excellent um like stabby weapon sure but i don't know about <laughs> balancing purposes yeah uh, but some people make it an art like really really it's a commendable feat feet mm. 
No, that's cool. that sounds like a really <laughs> sounds like a really cool museum to go to. Yeah, I always like that, especially if there's a nice vast collection of. Oh, it's so cool! I learned another random thing about non-shoes. Sorry, um, Inuits like they've got Eskimo and they got all kinds of cultures. Um, I think the Eskimos. I'm sorry for all Eskimo people out there if I'm miscategorizing it. Uh, they used to have uh, ways to tell who were men and women out in the snow based on the patterns on the fur. Um, they, I think they used to have like uh, triangles for the men and then like um, stripes or zigzags for the women or maybe it was the other way around. But it was like one way mm. to distinguish one blob of human to another blob of human. Um, and Exactly. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, that's so cool. You can see human history and culture and like the ways, you know, they did things through their articles of clothing or footwear exactly or yeah and the statuses you could be showing with that exactly yeah, yeah. and i think yeah so sorry kind of continuing on hopping back on that train yeah the heels. i don't recall exactly but lot not long after louis the 14th time it started transitioning over to be women's wear like women started to have a little bit of a heel like it's more women-centric is what you're saying yeah and then the men started becoming more of a boot like the the you know more of like the um the back of it became a little bit wider the front became more of like what we kind of more of like a loafer like a dress shoe today okay. they have like that wider base okay and then women's just the high heel thing became just kind of became more of a thing sure after that and did then- they did they have sensible i say sensible size heels i mean like one inch heels or were they yeah i mean the working class um, like, women did yeah okay. for sure they'd have like the one or two inch and then like the the tied sure. lace um but then i think after that and this is also like super limited like pretty eurocentric that's because of our more of our um education background. and our background <laughs> so i'm not sure but i can't speak for other cultures because i know there's a whole other sure. thing um like uh different maybe natives people did but between like um europe and america at least in like fashion western fashion you know the what became popular was like the chelsea boot which oh, had a little bit of a heel love those yeah um so i think like that was were also known as the beatles boot oh really like the beatles you're talking um, like the modern day beetles, not yeah, this yeah. crushed up red beetles. Yeah, no, we have yeah, different okay. type of beetle now. <laughs> Fast Got, forward gotcha. to 1960s uh, in the UK, uh, the, the the music group Beatles, and they liked that boot a lot and wore them. It's very like, functional, and you know, you have to tie up the shoes. Well, I, I, like I think it's called I think it's called like the Cuban heel, where the heel has that kind of like tapered point for the those types of boots. Does it? I never, yeah. I guess, um, yeah, yeah, it's like a very truncated high heel. It's not very high. It's very like mid if low. Yeah. And yeah. then, so they literally put those on and came over to America and then, be, and then cool. they became popular as just known. And their fashion was. Excuse um, me. They were already popular in England. They were just making it bigger in America. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're, they're American. Um, the British invasion or whatever it's called, I think. Um, and then, you know, but then that also, you know, that during the time in America, at least, you know, gender fluidity was a little bit more common. So like men wearing heels, like I think of like John Travolta and Saturday Night Fever, like he was wearing those kind of boot heeled boots when he was dancing. And, um, you know, like I guess that parallel timeline of cowboys and like the function of boots for stirrups was also still mm-hmm. happening and mm-hmm. um, things of that nature. And, you know, other artists like David Bowie, David Bowie, depending on where you're from, mm-hmm. how to say his name, you know, he was also someone who would showcase the boot. But then another type of boot I think is also interesting. Um, um, so kind of leaving the high heel story, because I think we now know where it ends today, where it's more of a women's fashion and um you know things like louis Vuitton with the really high stilettos and the famous red paint and other types mm-hmm. of shoes um i think another cool thing i like to think about is the combat boot or like doc martin uh, yes i do love those as well <laughs> <laughs> and like that kind of started much later i mean like boots have always been around obviously like yeah different cultures for cold weather sure Sure. And protection from the environment. But I think. Minimal my, slippage. Yeah. Yeah. From my understanding, like 
the more modern thing for it's more of a fashion perspective i mean they do have function for sure because like you said like they're comfortable to wear is yeah like the combat boot another famous brand is doc martin mm-hmm. um, who was like a german army officer oh he's german okay i thought yeah. it was british yeah. it seems like a very british brand no it's like martin like m-a-r-t-e-n i believe but yeah um yeah he was a german army officer in world war ii okay and he invented these boots to be more comfortable and have like better ankle support for personal use i think the story goes that he like broke uh, hurt his ankle while hiking and he was like i need a better boot so i think they're famous because they're kind of stiff when you first get them but then they kind of like shape to your foot after a while and it's like very comfortable sure yeah um so yeah i know know, like doc martin's specific brand as we noted about louis Vuitton or um combat boots also became kind of popular too um more because of more mass production like world war ii and i think as far as the gender roles go the perception of like which gender it's for i think yeah definitely was more of a menswear item but i feel like especially i think it's becoming you know more like it's it's suitable for all both genders well yeah but i think before that you know it was a lot you know women is a big deal when women were kind of brought in to be in the workforce during sure. the world wars and working yeah. in factories and they were definitely wearing sure um these types of footwear Their functional was, footwear yeah yeah for for like work safety but it was like having that very non-traditional role as a woman was kind of like kind of going against the norm and i think sure sure since then like combat boots have kind of started popping up in like the underground a bit of like with punk rock bands like yeah, I was gonna say like for and... the, the people who are trying to like rebel rebellions rebel. mm-hmm. yeah. um, society's guess... conventional norms or whatever yeah. the term is I remember like in the 90s or early 2000s you would see like uh maybe some actresses or female celebrities who were seen to be like very feminine and stuff but they would wear like combat boots on the red carpet mm-hmm. or something and it was like really cause a stir yeah yeah it'd be really crazy versus like a dainty stiletto heel sure. or something but i feel i think now it's interesting to have footwear where i'm kind of going with all this it's like now yeah with now with the level of globalization we're at um with all this mixing and sharing of knowledge of internet and posting and social media and everything and exchanging like fashion ideas or mm-hmm. aesthetics. But I think it's interesting to see, at least in some places or for some generations, like certain types of footwear that maybe initially had a really pretty strict stereotype and rules around who could wear them mm-hmm. um, somewhat softened a bit. And I don't want to be like ignorant because I know it's definitely not true for everywhere, for everyone, but mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to see how it's kind of evolved. Like for me, at least, like yeah, like the Doc Martens. You know, like Stephanie said, you know, you wear that kind of style of shoe. Um, and I think it is kind of more common because people are like, "This is comfortable and it works." And yeah, um, I like it. Or like, it's like I mean, like, do you like do you wear that to yeah. work? Do you wear that every day? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I well, where I currently live, there is snow and ice, and salt mm-hmm. for the snow and ice, and um, they are by far my most reliable pair of shoes to get mm-hmm. across those surfaces so versus, i definitely wear them to work versus, um, just as, wear, versus like having a specialty like well no snow boots or something i i appreciate i mean i can wear snow boots i, I guess i do have them mm-hmm. but uh i appreciate them because uh, i've had them for a few years right and they haven't due to the salt you know it usually corrodes most of the boots or shoes heels that i have mm-hmm. um and so far these haven't corroded um fingers crossed they don't <laughs> corrode in the near future um but there's something in like the rubber substance of the soles and most of the shoes that i have i don't think have like super thick soles which is a shame i think it's just it's the fashion industry they need to up their quality excuse me <laughs> but uh yeah doc martens they've been pretty uh, sturdy for me so yay That's this good. is we're not sponsored please <laughs> But if you want to, yeah, uh, hit me up. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's really neat that yeah, you're able to have that. Or I think of also like a certain kind of like platform heel, which for me at least growing up was usually associated with like um, stripper or entertainer dancers, female dancers. Platform heel is that the one where you've got just you got, the heel that's you got, you raised, got, or both the front and the back? 
both front and back and it's like separate it's not a wedge it's not a wedge it's okay also, i was gonna be also, like go-go boots or something like from the 60s platforms. 70s it's also wedge platform so many words yeah a platform stiletto heel is where there's a space between the heel and underneath the ball of the foot area okay uh, that both sections are elevated and usually okay. those are like dancers um like strippers or so that are performers in, okay. in, in that field and may not have the most positive um reputation sure or something but i think now some people are like i like how this looks i like how it makes me look i'm trying um, to figure out the logistics of the walk like would you is your gait normal you just meet the ground a little sooner than you mm-hmm. expect yeah. but i guess since it's all um like your foot and sorry your the ball of your foot and the heel of your foot kind of are raised at the same rate or is the heel also higher i'm thinking probably heel, too much it about still this. is a high it's a, still it's a high heel the okay heel still higher okay it's just you also have so you is shape. it more precarious or dangerous to mm-hmm. walk oh yeah because standard? you're okay. underneath the ball of the foot it's like you know narrow so you can have more of a side to side oh it's narrower okay i didn't realize Slight, i thought it was just, just straight down just, okay just slightly just slightly um another thing i want to touch on too because it's just I don't have much to say on it. I don't know what you said, but like sneaker culture, it's also a huge thing. It's a huge thing. Yeah, huge so thing. expensive mean, for some like shoes that look mm-hmm. like. I'm sorry, I'm not cultured in the art of sneaker shopping and you know stuff like that. Some of them sell for hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, they're like limited edition. Right? Yeah, they're limited edition or like Yeezys or you know like Air Jordans, which have been on Air Jordans have been around for so long. I always remember those always a huge like statement maker, mm-hmm. um, and you know you may keep the tag on or you really want to keep them clean. You know, you do really... they wear them or do they just admire you like have them as like an it's admiration? Both. They're both like in your closet to like have a okay. display, and you might like have people see them. But you know those are prized commodities. Like you know people are robbed. You know. Yeah. So I there's think, like sneaker conventions where you can access sneakers. Yeah. So I think, and I think with, you know, you know athleisure being a kind of a pretty popular fashion yeah. aesthetic in the past sure. 10 years or so, I think it's become a little bit more mainstream about um, sneaker heads, sneaker culture. But yes, yeah. for me, like, you know, I've always liked to have a variety of shoes. Like I kind of enjoy wearing like high heels for the look. It doesn't sure. feel certain. I know it's like maybe society telling me something, but I don't know. It feels kind of cool, like walking your toes. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you're taller. You know, you just, it just shows how you walk. I think it. I like to feel like more graceful. Um, this might now- be a weird confession, but <laughs> hmm. I feel like I've I've been walking on like the toes or the balls of my feet kind of since I was a young age. Not because of the high heel culture at all, because I was very much a tomboy growing up, mm-hmm. um, but more because I... <laughs> thought that's what how like wolves walk because i did some science report on you know like wolves or something in third grade and i was like just observing like the videos of like how they walked and they always seem to be like on the balls like because i guess the way the paws are shaped right but do you have an a short you, sh- but you could also be you have a short achilles that could actually cause you to walk on your no, no no like like i think i i can actually walk normally but just- um I just uh-huh. like I guess consciously develop really <laughs> strong calves, um, and well, so it does, yeah, walking walk on your toes does strengthen your calves. That's why. Yeah. yeah. So perhaps I mean yeah, the, the French were onto something. Louis King Louis, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I yeah, I high heels. They're fine with me. I'm fine with like flat shoes too. You know, I'm good with all. I guess I have to be true to myself though. My confession is my yeah. ultimate pleasure is just being barefoot, <laughs> and it. Ah, tortures my wait, parents. barefoot everywhere, like even out on the streets in the city or whatever. Um, I don't feel comfortable walking out on the sidewalks because it's pretty dirty okay. and I don't want to step on like a nail and get tetanus. Okay, or... so, so you are a little sane. Good. Okay. Yeah, but it, like at home though, uh, yeah, barefoot on hot concrete is one of my favorite feelings. Oh no! Like playing basketball, but at home, playing okay, basketball okay. by yourself on a hot concrete. Love mm-hmm. that. For me, no, I need. It feels need so that. nice. Or Literally. I love like <laughs> going on hikes on like not rocky paths. Sure. Yeah. Foot. Um, but now Do you I- notice your gait changes? Because there's the thing of like yes. free running, right? With um, you know, mm-hmm. going shoeless or having those shoes that uh, you just know, have like, individual toes or something. Yeah, and they just have kind of a minimal barrier. Yeah, I've never yeah. gotten those before. I've, I've heard your curious. feet can get quite sweaty. So I don't know how sustainable. Yeah, a little bit of blistering probably it looks like. I don't know. Maybe they've improved them, but 
Yeah, maybe. You walk so different. And I feel like it's really evident like on beaches when you see people like trying to walk a barefoot yeah. on beaches and they just it's just very like stiff and awkward looking. And yeah. I don't think people are aware of it, but well to me the sand's very hot and so my feet don't like that. And mm-hmm. so they are always playing this game of hot potato, except my feet are the potatoes. So <laughs> <laughs> always got to bring in potatoes i feel you have to do like every couple episodes you have to bring that in no that was how how is there another game of like hot substance that you need to pass around that is very uncomfortable for you to hold you know for long times i'm standing up for myself oh boy but no one says let's play pass the hot tamale that that's candy or tortilla i'll eat the hot tamales I want <laughs> hot tamale is a candy, but it's also like yeah. Tamales. But you're not. I know, I know. Like and, 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 I'm, and I'm and I'm facetious and I'm facetiously saying I'm facetiously saying hot tamales because I I heard a British person do it once and it just tickled me pink. Um, hearing that mispronunciation done so horrendously, um, awry. Yeah, quesadilla, quesadilla. <laughs> the um which i don't uh, get which doesn't make sense to me because if you really for quesadilla if you really weren't pronouncing it quesadilla you you would say quesadilla but they don't they say quesadilla so i don't fall for that taco tuesday (laughs) i'm getting i'm getting like triggered a little bit here so um you know what i appreciate you because now we have a nice contrast because yeah. the music we're sharing for this episode is more Mm. calming and soothing so thank you for pushing me a little bit to a point of frustration not with you, right. Stephanie but just with happy to provide this service <laughs> it's a little bit of friction <laughs> yeah um but <sighs> pausing <clears throat> pausing I'm calm grounded um, just drank a sip of tea yeah I could I might do that after after we record that sounds nice chamomile mm. the one the one Stephanie, Stephanie's great fantastic gift giver in Terabang. Oh, um, thanks. And then I want to obligate Stephanie to give in Terabang. Yes. It's going to provide for I all the <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't want to like rub in your face either that like I get gifts in Terabang from Stephanie and you don't. But I just want to say Stephanie gives both amazing gifts, but also incredibly well presented gifts and packaged gifts thank you i um, did, did i try for it I, I think i just gave that to you in a grocery bag to be honest but you had like a really nice note did i it's a post-it a note. note it was literally a post-it I... note <laughs> she um uh, but I, I i think i did have some nice words so i'll, I'll take nice that words. credit and i have it still on the box <laughs> what you have it <laughs> okay yes. all right all right i can go fetch it right now and i can you want me to go oh, fetch it and dear. read it to everybody oh i don't remember what i wrote i think it's yeah i don't know <laughs> go fetch it if you want if you want okay do you mind, introduce, have... do you mind introducing the music list yeah bit? sure the, sure the topic i'll be right back okay um if you haven't noticed in terabay i have you know quite short memory retention in terms of this so this is why my brain and memory is a bit like swiss cheese and i can't remember anything um, about what I wrote so enjoy whatever she says uh, yeah all right oh she's coming back all right I can hear back. Uh, I didn't I didn't mention the music yet I was just kind of riffing yeah okay um just real quick yeah the note I have here the box uh-huh um also I Stephanie saw. has great penmanship do um, I okay thank you very nice, <laughs> nice script cursive um oh i was this is back when i was moving to where i currently live um feels so long ago i know i know and terabang if you've been with us during this journey thank you thank you yeah um but the note says dear michelle moving is stressful enjoy this creature comfort as you get used to your new surroundings i can't read this word is that it Con- constant till Oh, I think it was um, Huge. It's a K-U-G-E. yeah. Huge is very big with me. <laughs> what is constant comfort? What what it K-U- creature comfort? K U N S T E N. Oh, Kunsten. Kunsten. Yeah. Till Huga. Huga. 
I think that means like warm and cozy or something like that in uh, Danish or Norwegian. Cause, like, cause the Danish originally um, like were very big in Huga, and then I think mm-hmm. the Norwegians took that. And oh. then there's like an extra, there's like an extra level of like comfy. I don't know if it's because they always have this one manship against each other. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so it's like warm and fuzzy, that feeling, you know. I see. Um, and remember, this was what, in the middle of summer. <laughs> so, yeah, summer. Yeah. Um, Huga, like- you can you can celebrate around year round. <laughs> Exactly. And then it, it ends with uh, thank you for visiting. It means a lot, Stephanie. Yeah. But very sweet gift. Um, How'd you like the cameo? I really like it. I, I, I still have a, f- I think it's two left, but I think I just like want to put, whenever I get camera, I'll just refill it in that same box. <laughs> yeah, like the okay. Most. Is the box nice? Is I forgot. Genuinely, I'm not, I'm not trying to <laughs> flash on the box. It's, it's a decent box. Okay. All right. It's nothing like spectacular. Brand, it's in, just... case, uh, in case you want to know what's our because we're totally away. Because we're, we're, we're totally not being sponsored by any of this. But if, you know, we eventually get a sponsorship. It's, um, the brand it's is Mighty. <laughs> the brand is what? Mighty what? I'm getting really silly. The brand is <laughs> Mighty Leaf Holy oh. Tea. The flavor is chamomile citrus. Ooh. Um, yes, I do like the citrus. Nice artisan hand stitched pouches, which is kind of fancy. It's so um, fancy. It's so extra. The description is a classic herbal infusion of chamomile flowers, sweet orange, and tangy lemonade. So I like chamomile and I like this a little bit because I had that little extra something. Huh. I'm currently drinking a, um, I know we're way off topic here. It's a Harney and Sons. Harney and Sons. Please sponsor us. Harney and Sons um, Tropical Green. It's like a green tea with like pineapple flavoring. It's pretty mm. good. Great. I'll keep it short and sweet. Yep. For once. For the music today. Yes. To end with, we have a few songs to share. The theme that I came to mind for me is something that I've been doing my, for myself lately are songs that um, maybe a little bit lower in energy. I don't know how to describe it. I think like once you listen to the first song of the playlist, you're like, oh, okay. Um, but there are these kind of like, they're solo artist songs, I guess general like pop jazz i don't know uh, i don't think pop's the right word because it's a little um, more somber than like standard upbeat pop yeah but it's songs that are like really nice to listen on headphones oh, specifically I- like close to your ear like mm-hmm. it's okay if you hear on like your laptop or your speakers or whatever devices you may have car, but-, but like these are like, to me are, like they're songs that are a little bit more intimate personal not necessarily um, binaural Right, or like asmr no, but... No, um, some of them have a really nice amount of like bass level. There's a lot of intricacies to kind of hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe the ways the vocals are recorded, it really feels the person is like... Good really, production value. Yeah, and they're really like close to you. Um, and they're not really like... While maintaining social distancing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so the first on this list is... I'll just kind of run through these, try to be a little quick in respect to time. Just checking here um, by the uh, British artist James Blake. Um, two songs of "Limit to Your Love," which really, like I said, has ex- to me an exquisite um, bass theme or element to it. I mean to say, um, so highly recommend for for headphones. And then um, he also has a song called "Retrograde" as well. Um, and just a really nice voice. I feel. Um, so those two songs, um, Retrograde also chimed um, kind of a connecting moment for me, at least, because to me it has similar tones and elements as the song by Hozier, uh, who's kind of was, I think his like famous song is Take Me to Church. Um, but this is um, the song I'm including today is Movement. It's a newer song. And I really like it because for the music video, um, he had the... Um, professional ballet dancer Sergei Palunin dance in it actually he's doing oh yeah I remember doing ballet in work boots so going back in the footwear theme it's very impressive he's like wow streetwear like jeans and like work boots and doing like it's like an empty warehouse or something right? yeah and doing like phenomenal like grand jetés and some what what is that for the uncultured swine like me leaps and kick okay full full ballet movement like big 
grand jumping and leaping and turning. Yeah, in, which in, presumably needs a lot of um, coordination and, and flexibility and, and give yeah. in the shoe when he's doing work boots. Uh, huh. Because he was, you know, he really became famous outside the dance world, at least when he did like a on his own a, a dance video to take me to church. Um, the next song is by the artist Feist, which some people might remember from like the famous 2006-2007 iPod Nano commercial for her one, two, three, four song. The wow, one, I do not two, remember that three, at all. Four, ba, ba, da, ba, da, ba, da, no, da, copyright, we can't. But that's as far as I'll go. Um, okay. <laughs> but um, she did another song called Honey, Honey, which has something, some nice vocal layering in there especially if you're wearing headphones. Okay, okay. Um, she also actually did her own version of the first song listed, Limit to Your Love, which I think is nice, but I feel that Limit to Your Love had a better bass. Original, yeah. yeah. I don't know which one came first or the whole writing thing, but sure, there is that. And then next is a pretty new recent song at the time of recording. It's by the artist Olivia Rodrigo. It's called Driver's License. Um, I don't know. I think it's a nice song. Stephanie, I had her listen to it just for this episode. Yeah, it's, I mean, nice. I don't know what to say. Like, nice vocals, nice quality. She seems like she's got a career ahead of her. Yeah. Um, and whoever is in her production team. Uh, yeah, it seems, it picks up, you know, there's some percussion in there, which uh, it's a nice kick drum, I guess, which uh, gives you some nice resonance in the lovely old ears um some nice strings yeah. in there too and yeah it's a nice development of, a, of the song structure mm-hmm. i think is it's kind of sweet and i think it has reminds me i mean not the only artist that's done this but like taylor swift of kind of utilizing like regular objects to make noise ah yes so a nice you, homespun quality yeah so there's a few you can if you listen to it again with headphones you can hear pick up on it you can hear a few things it sounds like she's very close to the mic so i don't know if that's another feature that kind of like tune you because you're very like sensory uh, oriented person right yeah so. I'm pretty and yeah, pretty um subject and vulnerable to that kind of thing um the next song is by i think he's also british labyrinth yes um, absolutely song is jealous um big fat warning label on the song at least coming from me and Turbang. it makes me cry every time um so if you're not really up for like just tears randomly coming out of your face um maybe maybe just or if you're like a hard unfeeling stone like i am (laughs) yes you might be okay you might be okay um but to me his voice is really emotive it's very uh smooth i have to say his voice it is yeah again I'm so appreciative of the time we live in and it might get way better in decades to come of like the recording quality that our technology can now do for yeah. us to be able to hear mm-hmm. singers so crisp and clearly and like enhanced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that's just kind of the time we're living in. So it's significantly better than like in the 60s and stuff when they had like, like scratchy imagine, vinyls. Like, like Frank Sinatra or like Billie Holiday, like if they recorded today. I mean, you can get remastered versions on YouTube and they're fantastic. They're pretty good, but I just feel like it could be, they could be better. a whole yeah. different thing. I'd always sure. be curious, but that's that's how time is. Um, yeah. The next song, I think, is... Um, yeah, I the... <laughs> the one contribution I had to this playlist um, is Us by James Bay. I've been listening to his whole um, second album, uh, Electric Light, I believe, uh, Mm -hmm. this past week. Um, And it's a good one to like revisit, but this Us is, uh, I don't know, it's it's just like a nice feel, uh, you know, it's just, it kind of swings back and forth. um, And he's good (laughs) quality. I don't know what else is different about like he, he has good vocals he has good production value uh, I think this song was used in the movie, um, movie after um, with hero Tiffin Fines or Fines Tiffin um, he played tiny Voldemort young Voldemort in Harry Potter half it's kind of a young adult romance nephew, movie nephew of um, Voldemort actual Voldemort um, Ray Fiennes and uh, yeah I think uh, the movie was based on some fan fiction about Harry Styles originally so fun yeah, fun facts the, the Wattpad fiction that's what it's yeah. called yeah. W-A-T-T-P-A-D fiction just kind of yeah. interesting fun times um, 
But I, I didn't. I didn't realize that when I had listened to the song, I was just like, "It's a genuinely decent, great song." Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, it has kind of a similar like piano element as Jealous does. Kind of a simple, simpler song, but kind of. I like James Bay's like writing style and, and production, like how he makes the music. It's yeah. pretty, pretty basic. Like, yeah. even though there's many artists who have done like exactly what he's done, he's just somehow executes it well still, mm. despite you know the multitudes of others pursuing that same style and genre okay yeah i can appreciate that um and then just two more to add here i mean i guess some of these songs do share quality of like being about like heartbreak and loss of love and which is something i'm always pining away about uh ignore me uh <laughs> just shove you to the side i'll just um, leave you in the corner <laughs> leave me in the corner to wallow um with your chamomile tea, my chamomile tea. <laughs> maybe you're all sentimental about gifts that i Cetris will hopefully help pull yourself together <laughs> um the artist is Givian, and the song is Givian. St- interesting still maybe. your best um kind of a similar vocal flavor as labyrinth mm-hmm. i feel um but yeah just really feels nice with headphones and then lastly is um the song uh, when the party's over by billy eilish just to kind of end this party of an episode of um yeah, just another, you can, yeah, to me, she's a, a vocalist who really, I don't know how to, I'm not like really well trained in vocals, but like, especially when you see her singing live or video of her, like she really utilizes all of like different head spaces. Yeah, it's an interesting, she has an interesting vocal quality. I feel like it's very yeah. reminiscent of like singers from the 50s-ish, like female f- singers who yeah. had that like warbling effect. Like I don't yeah, think like that's she really very looks, she popular now. She squeaks out the notes like just like you think there's no more left of a note to give. And then she does a little like grimace with not, her face. Not in like a diva style, like, no, you know, yeah. Adele was like belting out a note, just like kind of like gently. Like a, little, like a little bubble surfacing to the top. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think it's eking it out yeah um yeah so that's the music for today not necessarily related to what we talked about but just what i was kind of feeling feeling from so your thank heart. you for letting me share that stephanie and thank you for listening in terrible um yeah so that ends the party of this episode we hope you continue to have a great party um, long after we're gone <laughs> the after party <laughs> The after party. The party continues. And uh, take care and uh, yeah, and be safe to you both. Yeah, definitely take care. All right. Cheers. <laughs>